And we are live, Don here with Romance Happy Hour. And of, I guess you can see that Miss Dylan is not here with us today. She had an emergency come up and she couldn't make it. But I am joined by the amazing Mercy. And Mercy, I'm sorry, I forgot your last name. You don't have it Simone. Dee Simone. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Yes. And I should have asked that to make sure I wasn't going to say that wrong. <laughs> before we got on um mercy d simone and cl gaber 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 i did i did say that wrong again i'm sorry nope, gaber, you got it. <laughs> um so mercy first off um what what ethnicity is your name is it like <laughs> italian or it is um basically junkyard cat so oh, love Mercy, it. Mercy D. Simone is a pen name derived from my cats, Mercy and Simon. Oh, I love <laughs> so we're it. Both we we're both rescues. So it's basically the house of Mercy and Simon. Unfortunately, uh, Simon is no longer with us, but um, I continue to immortalize him and other friends and pets and families in my stories and certainly oh as an ode in my pen name. I love that. I, that's the first time I've heard of a pet getting the pen oh my gosh that's that's amazing that's great and actually and actually mercy came from um the patricia briggs books okay. so mercy thompson so it was you know mercedes thompson i love the patricia briggs books and um mercy was actually named after one of those characters so in, inadvertently oh. i named it after a cat and a character anyway <laughs> yeah and um, just so our viewers re remember, if you are joining us, sometimes um, you do have to put your name in or give them permission to use your name. Um, we do have a user. It's this Facebook user. Sorry. I know you're probably one of our, nor our regulars. Just let us know who you are so I can, <laughs> I can say, let's say that out loud. But um, so CL Gaber. Gaber? Gaber, you did Okay. Okay. Yay. Um, tell us a little bit about you. I'm and a, your name. I'm a longtime journalist from Chicago, oh. Nevada now, and I cover movies. So I pretty much interviewed every movie star under the sun. And usually when a movie's based on a book, they would also bring the book author in to do interviews for a day. And I just was always so fascinated with the authors. And uh, as a lifelong journalist, I started writing my own books maybe about seven, eight years ago, which has been just so much fun. Oh, that's awesome. So I know, um, knowing you um, from the past, uh, from a mutual acquaintance of ours, um, Sarah, which who I'm hoping will join us today, um, you have interviewed some pretty awesome people. So are you allowed to talk about some of the famous people you've interviewed? Sure. Actually, a great month with Chris Evans, Captain America, has such a good Apple Plus TV show coming out, you guys, called Ghosted. Really fun rom-com coming up. And everyone, I mean, everyone has to do interviews for their movies. Everybody from J-Lo, <clears throat> Avenger there's ever been, to uh, I actually even interviewed George Foreman yesterday because he has oh, a movie cool. if coming out. What a cool, sweet guy. Yeah, that's awesome. So who is your favorite interviewee so far? My favorite one that's so hard, but I I am kind of old school. I mean, we've had I've had the chance to interview people like Clint Eastwood and Walter mm -hmm. Matt over the years. 
and even James Gardner, who was in the Rockford Files. So I, my favorites were like Jack Lemon. Although I got to say, half an hour with Adam Sandler is time well spent, and of course, the beautiful Robin Williams was maybe my all-time favorite. Oh. Like your own comedy concert, which yeah. So is it like a telephone over the phone kind of thing, or do you get to meet them in person and like interview them? Yeah. Many years we have gone mostly in LA. Sometimes they take you to New York, but yeah, they do interviews for like days and days before their projects come out. So you have your like 15 minutes with them, 20 minutes, and then the next journalist and the next one. Honestly, I don't know how they do it. It's a long, long day for them, but, uh, but it's really fun. And one of my favorites too is Harrison Ford. I don't know oh. if they're watching 1923, but you definitely, definitely should be. Great, great show. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I, I'm, I have not seen 1923, but I, I did have some um, background work in Yellowstone, the regular did Yellowstone you? series. Yeah, I've done a couple and I'm hoping to do some more this summer. So we'll see if they take me on for this summer's the last Let's couple things. And and the rumor is that Matthew McConaughey is coming into town and we have about 700 people in town. So I'm fingers crossed I can run into Matthew McConaughey. I'm just saying. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Plus you will know like, yeah. how it's going to work out. Is Kevin Costner going to be back? Is Matthew McConaughey? Oh, yeah. And I did interview Rip and Beth from. Uh, oh, did you? Yeah. Rip said the F word so many times. It was funny. But when I went to write it, I thought my editor is never going to go for this because he he was like Rip in real life. Yeah. I, I carry around Pride and Prejudice because um, if I ever run across Kelly, I 100% want her to sign my Pride and Prejudice book because she was Caroline Beingley. Right. She's a great and so I'm like, screw Beth. Like, I want Caroline Bingley. <laughs> I mean, I'm an author, you know. And Kevin and I go all the way back to oh. interviewed him back when he did Bull, uh, Bull uh, what was it? Bill Durham? Bill, I can't think of it for a second. Bull Durham. Durham. Bull Durham. It was a baseball movie and Waterworld and The Postman and Dances yeah. with so I've sort of seen him grow up over the years, but always a nice guy. Yeah, I did a scene with him in um, the uh, governor's speech scene. I was in that and um, he was just so amazing. Like, seriously, you could tell that his staff just adored him. And um, I saw I watched him on stage like he was he would sit there and like get into character but anytime one of his female staff members would come to get on stage, he would go over there and help them on. You know, Aww. I'm like, what a freaking gentleman, you know, what? like Hi. you could just tell everybody just loved him. So, yeah, it was it was a great day that watching Kevin Costner in person. But. Well, the rumors are uh, he might not come back, but I think he's going to come back. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of rumors floating around here, too, that I think Matthew is coming from what the community here says cool. um i know i'm pretty sure rip's gonna be back and i know casey ha casey or uh what's his name what's his in real life he has a some plate property here i'm also uh, real sure so i get <laughs> the inside scoop on I, the famous people living in town i love so. it so i <laughs> back of the woods once they had a movie with meryl streep called the river wild and they took oh. the your press court to Denali National Park and put rafts. And these are not athletic people. 
uh, we were thinking we were going to lose half the press corps, but somehow we made it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I did a scene with Rip too, and then, um, but he was just riding a horse from far off. Right. And he had like one line in the scene that I did with him, but. Oh, cool. And then um, Jamie, I did a scene with Jamie Dutton as well. Or, yeah. I'll, I'll give you guys more Yellowstone to. Uh, I interviewed Jamie too, and he said it's hard to go to the train station now to take people to the quote unquote train station because the tourists know where the train station is. So, you know, that's the place where they dump the body over the cliff. Yeah. There's always people there now honking and yelling, yay, train station, which is no way really to throw the body over the cliff. Oh, that's funny because I, I um, was camping this summer and I was on my way back and I saw some road workers fixing a sign at the side of this road because where, where I live, we're in Montana. So we're like wilds, you know, right. where I go camping and hunting. I look in my rearview mirror and it said, welcome to Wyoming. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, no, that's the train <laughs> I'm like, oh, I guess we're in Wyoming. <laughs> and there's dead fake bodies of virus. But <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite fun. Um, so let's let's hear a little bit about what you ladies are working on. Um, Mercy, we'll start with you. What are you guys working on? What are you giving away? Um, <clears throat> and just anything else you want to tell us about you? I'm working on some follow-ups to corsets and quartets. That's um, what I'm reading tonight. And um, this is a contemporary Why Choose romance. Um, it's a little bit of, it's contemporary, but it has um, a little bit of basis in historical. It's basically a historical romance writer. You know, it says Josie is a struggling 40-something curvy girl stuck in a dead-end retail job. You know, her dream is to be the next Jane Austen. And what happens when you finally chase your dream and give up the thoughts of marriage and childhood only to have three men stumble into your life and shake everything oh, up? I. But it is a fluffy, curvy girl romance. And, um, yeah, I just binge-watched, like, all six seasons of Downton Abbey. Because, because there's also a story within a story. So within this story, Josie is writing her own historical romance. So you get bits and pieces of that. So people are always asking me, what happened to that book? Are you going to write Josie's book? So yeah. I do have a couple chapters in on that. Also, um, Josie's best friend in the book, Emma. This book is really... While it's a love story and it is a romance, um, it's a non-traditional romance outside of Why Choose because it's all about, also about how important um, our friends are to us when romantic love isn't in the picture. You know, so her best friend Emma is kind of the mirror you can't escape, the reality check. Um, she's got a big part in the book and people are really asking for Emma's book as well. So I'm chapters into that book also and i've been dabbling in some sci-fi oh so I'm, I'm a little all over the place you know as an indie writer we always say are you really an indie writer if you don't have at least 10 wips in progress yeah. so i'm i'm a little all over the place but i really love the bones of this story um i love the way it resonates you know i think people were ready for older characters certainly people are asking for curvy girls 
we see more and more stories coming out now, you know, representing a little more of that less perfect yeah. um, body type and having some empowerment. And yes, we all have insecurities, but they don't want a book of somebody, you know, sad faced over their body. They want somebody that feels somewhat empowered um, and really doesn't care at this stage what others think about them. They're standing in their best place or trying to live their best life. Um, although, you know, again, we all have our insecurities. I say I, I tend to write perfectly imperfect characters. I love that. And I love that you're writing a historical romance author. I do historical romance myself. So what um, is she Regency? What, what, what kind of historical romance does she write? So it, it's she really wants to write Regency. It's implied uh -huh. that it's a Regency romance. Um, I'm a little scared to write this book because I know Regency romance readers tend to be very exact on the details. I mean, <laughs> I cut my teeth on Georgette Heyer and Jude Devereaux and yeah. reading a lot of those authors. So, you know, it, it's a little bit of, um, I don't want to say a slog, but, you know, I'm trying to get it right. And there's a lot of research that goes into getting something right when it comes to writing Regency romance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I won't even touch it. Like, I do American historical because I grew up, you know, in the country of Montana. And I love cowboys. I love cowboy books. And, I mean, I think with the American at least how I grew up, it's it's very similar still to how, you know, we were back then. Um, same phrases and a lot of the same traditions and stuff like that as we my, our ancestors had. So I found it easier to do American historical. But, man, I, I think if I could write in a genre that wasn't contemporary or American historical, it would be Regency. But I don't – I wouldn't even – I can't even imagine trying because I would just piss somebody <laughs> off. I mean, I said a bad word, but well, so, that's so bad. <laughs> you're, you're, you're wondering how much leeway are readers going yeah. to give you? And it, and it really is a dance. And I, I don't want to get it wrong. I, mm -hmm. I want to honor the characters. I want to get it right for the readers. But it is a little daunting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of fun and a lot of daunting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you do a lot of research then? I do, you know, um, if you've ever done the Becca Syme courses and done strength finders or whatever, I am very high on input. So I do get distracted easily. I start to research and then I go down the rabbit hole. You know, I wrote a book, um, a PNR. It's actually a menage, um, this past season, a holiday, Halloween one, and it's about zombies, but there was this whole um, thing. I created a government agency that has oversight over zombies, basically because they tried way back in history. People didn't realize somebody tried to raise Napoleon from the dead and recreate Ugh. a zombie army. But then, of course, I had to figure out, well, when did Napoleon die? When was he deposed the first time? I know he went to Elba and then he went to another island. Uh, I think it was uh, St. Helena where he actually died. So then I had to figure out the timing and where the body yeah. was really buried. You know, oh, so gosh. sometimes you, you do have to cut certain pieces right. But, you know, the beauty of writing fiction is that you should be able to create wor worlds without too much restraint. Yeah. Of course, it's a little easier in fantasy than it is in contemporary. In contemporary, yeah. it's a little harder to stretch the boundaries. 
I was going to say, like, I, I, I also do paranormal with Lexa Jade, my, under the pen name Lexa Jade. And I love those because when I write Lexa, I can just, like, make it up, you know, because <laughs> it's my own world. And I don't have to worry about the, the um, truths behind it because I can just make it my own truth. And then my readers, you know, will, will know my truth from there. But, um, yeah, with historical and even contemporary you know, there's been so many times that people have, or I've corrected authors or authors have corrected me because they know, have like a better, deeper knowledge of me, even though I've done research on it. So there's always that, always that. Right. But at the end of the day, I do say it is fiction. You know, fiction. you have to go into it with a little sense of wonder and discovery. And doing as much research as I do for writing historical, I mean, Real life can't even, I don't even think fiction can make up things that happen in real life. You know, no. like there's some crazy things that have happened in Truth real life. Truth is history. definitely stranger than fiction. Yeah. Yep. All right. And so what about you, CL? Or Cindy? Well, I am doing, you know, Ascender 6 where it's a, it's about an afterlife realm for people who've died young. So I'm on book six and they do a lot of time travel adventures. So I know what you guys mean about, uh, about the research because they go to a lot of loosely known historical situations, stuff that's not the most popular, but it's great. I love doing the research, but you're right. You can completely spend days just on, you know, a few little things, but that, that's been fun. And then I did write a romance that's going to come out next year uh, based at my daughter's college. She's going to kill me, oh. but uh, based at my daughter's college. And it was really fun to step away from the paranormal for a little bit and just try, you know, nobody has powers. Nobody has anything. It's just, you know, a straight on romance and yeah. uh, with, you know, a little small town that they all live in. So that was a lot of fun. And, and then I'm almost done with a sequel to the Claire's and the Claire's are Ascender's characters. They're four quadruplets, mean girls who live in the Ascender's world and they each have different clairvoyant type of powers. So okay. one's clairvoyant, she sees the future. One's claircognizant, she's all knowing. One's clairsentient, she absorbs your feelings. And one's clairaudient and she can hear spirits. So they're a lot of fun, kind of bad girls, but they're trying to find some redemption. So. So their second adventure should come out probably probably this fall sometime. Oh, how fun. And I see you have your book there. Can we see your book cover? Yes, this is my book. This is from Ascenders 1 and kind of the nice eerie cover. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's about a, a young girl walker who's 17, gets in a horrific car crash with her mom, wakes up in a new house, brand new town. It looks a lot like the UP of Michigan. And this, everything's nicer in it. And some of her old stuff's there. She finds out the next day she must attend a new high school. And that's where they sort of lower the boom that she died last night. And it's a place for people who were that announcement in their high school. Where, where would all that hope and potential and dreams, where would it go if you died before you were 25? Wow. People will agree. Your mind doesn't fully form till you're 25. Yeah. So they have to go back to high school. And the weird thing in the afterlife is nothing's changed. It's still the cliques and it's the cheerleaders and it's the bad guys and everything's pretty much the same except this high school, the dead teachers who choose to teach there 
are all famous people who passed and all famous people I interviewed over the years. So the things they say about life are things I took from our old interview tapes. So every, everyone's in there from like Heath Ledger, Robin Williams to, to Walter Payton, the football great. So it's kind of a, a who's who of the dead people. And my favorite thing is when I get readers go, I know, I know who Bob is and Bob is really anybody famous. He, I'm like, no, he's just a guy in the school. They're like, no, 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 you're lying to us. He's really a famous one. But yeah. they, they have to, the one thing they're not allowed to do though is fall in love because you're not, you don't know how long you're going to be there. And you're never allowed to go back and check on your former life because you'll be hunted by demons. So main guy, Daniel, he has to go back. His little brother stuck at the site of their plane crash. And oh, Walker, the main character, wants to go back to say goodbye to her mom. So they do cross back over. And then all kinds of bad <clears throat> and They uh, decide to start go, doing a little bit of time traveling after that to solve an ancient mystery. So then it becomes like a big super adventure. Wow, that sounds amazing. Thank you. Um, That's right. With this, I think we should we should hear. I think Mercy, you agreed to go first, um, and then Cindy is going to go second. So, <clears throat> Mercy, I'm going to pop you up here. Um, you'll be by yourself. Um, you'll do great. We'll see you here in a couple <laughs> minutes. Hey. So this is um, a scene between Josie and Heath, and it is um, kind of a morning after scene, the first time that they have spent the night together, and I promised to keep this very clean. <laughs> so this is Josie and Heath, um, for, of course, it's in quartets. Something's wrong. I can't put my finger on what's making me so uneasy, except to say that I don't feel like myself. My body feels constrained as I struggle to take a deep breath. My chest squeezed uncomfortably, my neck at an awkward angle. The woolly fabric under my cheek alerts me to the fact that something more is amiss. The scratchy surface irritating skin that feels unusually hot, not just flushed from sleep. Dragging my heavy eyelids open, I squint into the morning light and groan at the incessant pounding of my head and the fuzzy film unpleasantly coating my teeth. My eyes drift across the living room to the kitchen where Heath sits, Daisy perched on the tabletop, gratuitously forcing her head under and around the fingers that scratch at her ears and chin. I'm momentarily confused as I try to remember why Heath is in my kitchen while I have apparently been asleep on my couch, my wool throw smothering me in unwanted heat. Hey, sleepyhead, about time you woke up. I thought I was going to have to leave you a note. Why is he shouting at me? Isn't he afraid the neighbors will hear? My voice cracks a dry cough, barking from my throat as I struggle to sit up. Why are you here, I whisper running my hand through the snarls of my hair matted on one side from rubbing against the rough surface of the sofa cushions. It didn't seem polite to just leave money on the nightstand and leave. Again with the shouting. Surely it's a talent to shout and yet sound so dry at the same time. Wait, what? Did you just say the loud laughter is too much for my poor ears as I cut my hands protectively around them, rocking slightly where I sit, eyes squeeze shut against the glare. Only the soft hand on my head ceases my motion as a glass of water is thrust toward me, 
and a second palm unfurls to offer two ibuprofen. Thank you, I croak, sipping at the water, my parched throat finally relaxing as the glorious wetness is gulped until the glass is empty. What happened? No, don't shout it. Just let me think for a moment. Flashes of images begin to filter into my consciousness. Food, wine, bantering with Mark, wine, Heath's return, wine, bantering with Heath and Mark, wine. My mind rebels at the acid bubbling in my stomach, no doubt pickling all my organs to be exhumed in a preserved state a hundred years from now after I'm long dead. I knew there was a reason I wanted to be cremated. Okay, there was a car ride. We came home, I smacked his nose. My eyes fly open to stare at Heath who realizes the exact moment that I remember our activities together. The self-satisfied grin annoys me. Why do men always want to pat themselves on the shoulder after sex? I swear they'd fist bump themselves if they could. Although it was pretty great from what little I remember. The look of concern that suddenly mirrors my own endears him more than anything else could at this moment. Do I need to apologize? Shoot, I didn't mean to cause that note of uncertainty in his voice. Well, next time, try to cut me off a little sooner so I can remember enjoying the experience, will you? Trust me, you did. His look of relief would be comical if I didn't feel like dying at that moment. I'm sure I did, I assure him. But knowing and remembering are two different things. Strong hands begin to massage the base of my neck as I twist my head left, then right, and back again until the sound of a loud crack makes us both wince. Ouch! I can't believe I'm that sore from just sleeping on the sofa. It never bothers me to nap there. I'm not proud of my whining tone. Well, you're usually not crushed against another person when you do it, he says reasonably, before adding what he really wants to know. Are you? Definitely not. Did you manage to sleep at all? And what time is it? Don't you need to be at the clinic? It's 10 a.m. I slept for a few hours and I was supposed to be at the clinic at 8.30. A tired smile floats in my vision. I was trying to wait until you woke up to make sure you were okay, but I was getting ready to leave you a note. Dr. Carson's a good guy, but his bedside manner leaves something to be desired. If I don't get there soon, the vet techs will riot. Stroking my hair, he lifts my chin lightly to press a soft kiss against my lips. Besides, I didn't want to leave without kissing you good morning. How does he do that? I smile against his lips as he kisses me quickly again. What are you going to do today? You're not working, right? No, I sigh, glancing at my laptop and my notes strewn across my desk. I really need to write today. I'm so far behind. Some days I think I'll never catch up. Right, what are you writing? Are you taking a class? I begin to shake my head and immediately think better of it as a piercing pain stabs behind my left eye. Can drinking cause a brain hemorrhage? Because I'm certain I just burst a blood vessel as I cup a hand protectively over my eye. No, I'm writing a Regency romance, kind of a more modern spin on something Jane Austen might write. I should be flattered by the curiosity, but instead it just makes me feel worse because now I have to tell him the hard part. 
it's not going well. My other books did okay. I pick up a few dollars here and there, but it actually costs me more to write and market than I earn. I give my laptop the evil eye. Today, it is the enemy. Really, I don't know why I'm even trying anymore. If I haven't made it happen by now, the chance of it taking off are slim. I just don't understand what I'm doing wrong. Everyone else makes it look so easy. What does your publisher say? I'm touched by his interest and at the same time mortified I ever mentioned it. Um, I don't have a publisher. I'm not big enough for that. I self-publish. There's actually a lot of people that do it successfully. I trail off. The obvious conclusion to that sentence being, I just don't happen to be one of them. Still, I'm marginally cheered by the spark of interest in his eyes until he speaks. Can I read it? No, God, no. Why did I ever open my mouth? You don't want to do that. I'm sure Regency romance isn't your preferred genre, although it's really sweet of you to ask. Hey, don't you need to be at work? Don't deflect. I do, and I will. But why can't I read it? I'll even buy it and let you make a few dollars off it. His shoulder bumps mine in solidarity as I choke back a laugh. That's really funny. I only make about $1 off every book I sell, so I'd make out better if you bought me breakfast. The thought of food reminds me of Mark and all of the confusing banner last night. You really should go. I need to get cleaned up and at least make a pretense of getting some words on the page. What's not working for you? I should have never opened this can of worms. As a fellow book lover, it's logical that he would be curious. I can tell the idea intrigues him, and he's going to keep pushing until I spill it all. Honestly, I don't know. Emma claims it's because I refuse to write racier scenes. She thinks every book should be full-out raw sex. I like writing relationships. Jane Austen, Charlotte Bronte. Their stories were about the characters' emotions and how they dealt with society. They didn't use sex as a crutch. I don't want my books to be valued by the number of orgasms the main character gets. It just feels cheap. But how do, no, we are not discussing this. Pushing him forcibly off the couch, I stand as well, wincing at the pain in my lower back. I must really have been curled up awkwardly to feel that bad. Like muscle memory, I suddenly remember Heath's fingers and what eventually came after. Oh, I gasped, looking at him mutely as he grins. That's what you said last night, too. A quick kiss drops on the bridge of my nose before he turns towards the door. I'll call you later. Take a real nap. Your mind will be clearer with some good sleep. And if you do want to write a sex scene and need to do some research, just yell. And then we have a quick transition and I'll give you just a little bit of the aftermath. It's moments like these when you wonder at what point your life shifted so subtly that things look the same on the outside, but have completely rearranged themselves on a subconscious level. In another time and place, I would have been mortified to wake up to Heath sitting at my table while I slept. I would have obsessed over bad breath and messy hair and not looking young and fresh and dewy like a sacrificial virgin just released to the masses of the marriage market. Apparently, I've come to terms with the idea that I'm not perfect. Whether that thought should make me laugh or cry is the crux of my problem. I no longer know what I'm supposed to feel. 
which could be why I don't allow myself to feel much at all. I've clung to the concept of perception of perfection as something attainable when I know it doesn't exist. It's the ultimate self-sabotage. After 42 years, you would think I'd know better. And I do. It's just that up until this point, I've stubbornly refused to settle. It's easier to pretend not to know. Trailing my hand along the edge of the sofa, I stare at the imprint of my head in the cushions and realize Heath's head was right there as well. There was no discussion of expectations or some manufactured significance to him being here, other than he's a divorced dad who for some mysterious reason likes me. The soft meow sounds like approval as Daisy jumps to the back of the couch, prancing along the edge like a gymnast on a balance beam before curling up in a ball where Heath and I slept. The little Jezebel. Not only did she not give Heath a hard time, it's almost as if she wants to be near the memory of him. If I'm honest, so do I. I'd like to see what it would feel like to curl up together and lazily explore each other. Although stretching my neck and shoulders again, I recognize that I wouldn't mind experiencing it from the comfort of my bed next time. It's nice to feel confident that there will be a next time, I mused, stepping into the bathroom to turn on the shower, then reeling away from the mirror in horror. Holy heck! Peeking back at the mirror, I barely recognized the red-rimmed eyes smeared with mascara, the snarled hair, and the red line across my jaw and cheek where the cushion seam left its mark. The thunk of my head hitting the mirror sends stabbing pain behind my eyes once more. The only consolation is that Heath was the only one to see me. Thank God Mark didn't get a glimpse of the freak show. Although why I should care what Mark thinks is a mystery. Yeah, maybe I haven't come as far as I think. Spinning away from the mirror, I step quickly into the shower, hoping to cleanse my soul of the fantasy of Mark II. Oh my gosh, I love it. I feel like we're soul sisters, me and your heroine. <laughs> Like, she is exactly me when I'm trying to write. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to do a little that. bit of all of us. Yeah. I mean, I just want to do those love stories. My, I like to say I write soulmates is what I do. You know, I just don't like that, too. But I just, <laughs> I'm so bad at it. And I just do alphas, too. I'm really not so good at betas. So that, I think that that's me. I was That's why ask. so many people like why choose romances because they get a little bit of everything. You get an alpha, you get a beta, yeah, you get you the nerdy see. but caring guy, you get the one that's a little bit of a jerk, you get the one that's the alpha that's going to take care of everything. You get the smorgasbord of guys all just for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Do you write more alphas or more betas? Um, I, you know, because I've been writing Minaj and Why Choose, I pretty much always write both. Mm. <laughs> Where there's one, there's going to be another. But if it is going strictly male, female, I think I write them definitely more on the alpha side. I think that's a little more of the universal fantasy for more people. And, you know, we want our heroes to be heroic. Mm hmm. I had another question in my mind, but I lost it when I when I was reading the, question, the comments to the side. So let's go. We're going to go into Deanna. Deanna had a question earlier, and I think this is more for CL, but let's see. Oh, yeah. Um, 
where do you get your ideas from for such a trope? That's such a trope part is make, made me think. Sure. Thanks yeah. for the question. You know, I, I never believed this when I heard it in interviews, but I actually had a dream that became a Sunders. And uh, I was out of town with my husband, Ryan, and I had this weird dream. And I got up in the middle of the night in a hotel and knew where the notepads were and went in the bathroom for several hours and wrote down everything I could remember. And it sort of just came that and so that was like a major inspiration and i've i've had so many authors tell me that over the years and i was like oh. and it actually happened which was so odd and so amazing at the same time ah uh, you know one time i had a dream and in my dream i literally thought wow i have to wake up and write this down because this is going to be the best book and then i woke up the next morning and i was remembering it and i thought what the hell was I thinking in my dream? That is the worst book that could ever, ever possibly happen. So like the fact that you woke up in the middle of the night and it was a good idea was awesome. <laughs> I've never... I don't want to wake anybody up. So I took my computer there, but it wasn't a place to type because they're yeah. know, the toilet. So, you know, it was easier just to sit on top of the toilet with a pen and do it the old fashioned way. So, nice. but kept going and going and and uh i was like this is so bizarre but if i fall back asleep i'll never remember it yeah that's awesome and uh what about you mercy where, where do you get your ideas from your trope and i'm going to add to that have you also ever woken up in the middle of the night with an idea and written it down well it's funny that you talk about dreams because in corsets and quartets um a good portion of the chapters start with a dream she okay. gets a lot of her stories from dreams and and i've always been that way i say that in the dreams uh my subconscious works out all of my angst so dreams are always um big for me they do bring ideas and um you know i had i'll never forget many moons ago in a different job i had a dream once we were doing a special event in a ballroom and there were all of these beautiful crystal chandeliers and the dream was that the chandeliers all exploded in the middle of the ballroom and glass came down and cut everybody to ribbon and i remember waking up and thinking "Ooh, okay your subconscious is trying to tell you something there so dreams are big for me and i think you'll find that i incorporate them a lot within my stories um trying to tell some of that subtext of what's going on in the character's mind that they don't realize is going on in their head. I love that. I love that for foreshadowing or like, you know, anything you can do for plot wise. Um, we did have one question for you, Mercy, real quick. What was the title of your book again? It is Corsets and Quartets. And hang on, I'm gonna put you up there so we can see it bigger. Let's see. Let's see if I can put you up there, hang on. <laughs> there you go. Oh, there you go. Sorry. Getting it. I know it's probably backwards for you, though. Um, it's corsets and quartets. It is in Kindle Unlimited, so you can pick it up as an ebook um, or it's paperback. It is almost 500 pages, so she's a thick one in more ways than one. Oh my gosh, I love it. Love the double entranda. I, I don't even <laughs> think I said that right, but. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay, so I did get um, form some questions of my own throughout those throughout the reading. Um, and actually, let me let me ask Sarah's first here because she just popped one up. Do you have a group, 
mercy. I do have a group, Sarah. Um, I have a private Facebook group. It is a closed group because obviously some of this content is 18 plus and it's called the Merciverse. Okay. And what about you, CL? I do. We have a group called Ascenders Nation on Facebook. So please follow, join us and we do lots of freebies. And then I'm always on Instagram. So if you'll hear about Ascenders news and see a lot of cute pictures of my dogs. <laughs> and cat memes. Yes, mine is usually cat memes. You'll get book stuff and cat memes. Okay, so I mean, this this raises the question, and I think we get, just got the answer: dog or cat person. I'm singing Mercy is cat, and CL is. I love dog them all. Person. I okay. just love pets. I love yeah. pets, and actually, in the book, in corsets and quartets, Heath is um, a veterinarian. Oh, fun. so animals always play a big part in the books. There's Daisy is her snooty cat. Brutus is. Uh, big white Pyrenees of one of the other guys. You'll always find animals in my books. Love it. Yeah, I do. I have a dog person only because I'm allergic to cats. I love them, but I'm allergic. But yeah, I, I put, you know, the names of some of my dogs in the books. And uh, in the centers, she thinks she's being followed by a creepy monster. It's actually one of her past. <laughs> so people really like that because they uh, the oh. dog finds her in the woods. Love it. And then um, Deanna, and I think this is for you, Mercy, is that a reverse harem? Corsets and quartets is a reverse harem. So okay. right now I have this one. There, I have another one, the first one, which was a co-write. I have a menage. The Halloween book is a, uh, a menage book. So yes, I tend to write reverse harem. Why choose whichever term you're comfortable with. Nice. Awesome. Okay. <clears throat> I'm actually going to save my questions. I hope we'll be able to get to them. Um, for the, the viewers, post your questions in the comments. We're going to hear from C.L. Gaber now. I said that right again or wrong? Yeah, no, you I'm, did good. Okay. <laughs> I'm so bad with this. When I was in the military, I had name tags. So it was a lot. <laughs> Never said it wrong, I don't think. this. Okay, yay. Okay. Um, <laughs> So we're going to hear, hear from CL now just so we can get her in and then we'll ask a couple more questions. I've got a couple of my own here, so hopefully we'll get to mine. CL, I'm going to pop you up here. You're going to be by yourself and I'm going to mute us. So you are, go ahead and take it away. Well, this is Walker who it's her first day in her afterlife high school that she has to go to. And you know, it's a new school. She's a senior, but she knows no one. So this is her first class, first day. Okay, the other kids look pretty normal and around my age, including one fine bone ballerina type with supermodel glossy blonde hair and lipstick that was red black. She wore what looked like a pale pink leotard with matching leggings and covered herself with an additional layer of a thin sweater and one of those dusky pink skater skirts. I heard someone call her Tosh and she even smiled up at me sort of warmly before saying, there's only one table left in the back of this class. You'll have to share it with Mr. Personality. Godspeed, newbie. Don't hold him against the rest of us. I had no idea what she meant, but wandered to the back of the classroom and plopped down at the table in the corner, which was empty. Eventually, I reached into my brand new leather backpack that had appeared last night during the move and was filled with every school supply anyone would ever want, from paper to a slim laptop and a new iPad. Again, I wondered what, where my mom had gone. Did she rob a bank to get all these school supplies? I even had a backpack that looked like it caused some serious change because it smelled like fresh cow flesh. 
There were about $2,000 of electronics in my possession. I was trying to figure out how much mom spent in total in my head when I was jolted out of my self-imposed mental shopping trip by the class bell. The same moment, the sound echoed, a broad-shouldered student in a black leather jacket blasted into the class, which caused, which caused the cool girls to start whispering. Looking around the room, he obviously noticed that his formerly empty table in the back now had another occupant. Damn, I heard him whisper under his breath as he walked closer. Just what I needed, a squatter. Tossing his book into the wood, he didn't miss the new dark-haired girl jumping half out of her skin, but trying to look bored at the same time. Although I tried to calm myself down, he had to know I was petrified by the fact that my hazel eyes were as white as saucers. I didn't know then that he had been in my shoes several years earlier when he had arrived with his brother and sisters. Walker, I said, cutting to the chase and trying to look into his eyes, which were cast downward, so my gaze met the middle of his chest. Extending my hand felt foolish now, and I, I allowed it to plop from my side in defeat. For a few long seconds, he said absolutely nothing and stayed in the same position of epic rudeness. Then he slowly forced himself to look at me. The impact of it had me backing up a few centimeters. He was much more rugged than I would expect from any private school student. With a thin scar that ran across his chin to his lower lip and several light green tattoos sneaking out of sleeves that were haphazardly pushed aside. This wasn't your average high school senior. He looked too weary and too wise. If he told me he was a senior in college, I might have believed it. Daniel Reedy finally said with freezing calm, running a hand through jet black hair that was shorter on the sides than on the top. The hair looked recklessly hand combed off a masculine square face that was marked by about a day's worth of growth of facial stubble. You could barely see it, but the shadow was there and it made him look older and dangerous. I figured he was about six foot three or four, serious arms and a lean fit frame that fit, that fit nicely into snug faded Levi's. Obviously he worked out, I could imagine the six pack and the sinewy muscles that ran from his thighs down the side of his muscular legs, almost blushing because I was a little too deep into the details of this total stranger. I decided to focus on the fact that he dumped his leather jacket in a heap on the floor, slammed down his stool and once seated stared straight ahead. So how long have you been going to this school? I whispered loudly, shifting nervously on my stool as if I wanted to dig a hole out of there. Obviously, I wasn't much of an expert when it came to small talk, and I could tell he preferred we didn't talk at all. Forever, he said in a harsh tone as they stared at the side of his sculpted face. I'm already liking the idea of just learning what you want, I blurted. Yeah, he muttered and nodded numbly. What about SAT prep, I asked. It's hard to believe that we really don't need to take college prep tests here. Whose leg are they pulling here? Not your leg. You're too tall. My thin attempt at a joke seemed to annoy him. We don't do that here, Daniel snapped, pretending to be suddenly engrossed in the pen he was tapping loudly on the table. What don't we do here? Joke around or take tests, I demanded, and heard him swear under his breath. I wasn't done. College applications, I blurted again. When he looked up again and stared hard into my eyes, I was rendered speechless. It was almost as if he put on one of, he it was almost as if he put one of those large hands gently across my mouth. But that wasn't the case because the wide palm and long fingers were planted firmly on his knees. I couldn't contain the rush I felt. It continued to sizzle under my skin for several impossibly long minutes. His eyes weren't just blue, they were a gray blue, a surprisingly soft, inviting, gauzy color, the kind you only find on the most perfectly cloudy day on the beach before a good rain. But there was nothing else inviting about Daniel Reed. Do I look like the welcome wagon, he practically hissed. I saw his eyes go from soft to almost metallic. When I looked, honestly heard, he shook his head, swore again, and continued to speak under his breath. 
Screw college, Daniel said with a sigh. With those words, he had extended his friendliness quotient for the day. Maybe the year. If you need any to know any more, go talk to a counselor, you know, for guidance or whatever girls like you need. Girls like me? Asswipe, I thought. So wait a second. No homework, no SATs, no college applications, I said, ignoring the obvious, his lack of social graces and that grim hard mouth. In that moment, I knew his game. He wanted me to brand him as one big douche and get on with it so I'd leave him alone. So I decided I'd have a little bit of fun with him. I can't get over no homework, I repeated with a slight upturn of my bottom lip, trying to kill him with unwanted kindness. Is this heaven? I asked him and my, with my most dazzling grin. I sealed it with a wink. And was that an actual flirt? I had little success with the opposite sex in Chicago, where I used to live, so I wasn't sure if I was dazzling at all, but I had to do it. Those broad, muscular shoulders pivoted in my direction, and those steel gray eyes seemed to drill through me. I'm not even sure why, but in that moment, I glanced over at the cheerleaders who were giving me stabbing looks for talking to, hands down, the most gorgeous men, man any of them had ever seen in their lives. He made David Beckham look like the, old, the ugly older brother. Obviously, the cheerleaders, the cheerleaders had their own dibs on him, and they weren't about to share, although he totally ignored the fact that they even existed. Is this, the, is, is this hell, Danny, I said, looking ahead at the rah-rah brigade, ro rolling my eyes and catching their disgusted looks. No way did they miss my eye roll. Pleased with myself, I turned my full attention to his annoyed gaze and those full lips. No, this isn't heaven. This isn't hell. It's high school, Daniel said. He was frowning in it in a way that made it seem like he wanted to toss me out the nearby window. But I wasn't giving up, which is which was a trick I learned in my short career as a high school newspaper reporter. At first, if you don't succeed, just stay relentless. By the way, it's not Danny, it's Daniel. And, you, and do you have a last name, he asked? Walker Callahan, I said with a genuine smile, offering my hand to him. He ignored it for the second time. Pay attention, Callahan learned something, Daniel said, pointing to the front blackboard. I tried to tear my eyes away from him, but somehow I was frozen in place. So he took it upon himself to rectify the situation gently grabbing my chin with those big hands and slowly moving it in the direction of the front of the room, like he was guiding the big hand of, the, of a watch into place. Don't move, it'll be worth it, he said. At that moment, the teacher finally arrived, but he wasn't any educator that would have worked at Kennedy High School in Chicago. For starters, he had longish, dirty brown, unwashed hair that matched his ripped jeans and faded brown flannel shirt. Music Theory 101, said the teacher. What bullshit. You want to know something about music, he continued? Even I perked up and stared at him because he looked just so familiar, especially when he turned his back to us and started writing notes on the blackboard. When my hand flew to my mouth, Daniel turned his head ever so slightly, and I felt his him stare his, I felt his stare down to my bone marrow. It was no, it couldn't be. This teacher, no, no way. So I'm Kurt, he said. I used to have this band. And it is Kurt Cobain, you guys, because he's one of the famous teachers in the Senders. And at this point, Walker has no clue that she's dead. She just thinks she's at a different high school. So that's that's when she meets Daniel Reed, her future immortal love interest, sort of a jerk to begin with, but uh, turns out to be a really good guy. So that is a little excerpt of the Senders, which this is book one. And there's actually five books that are out right now. The fifth book just came out last year and a new one for later this year, early next year. Awesome. Oh my gosh. And I know um, Sarah and Nat, Nat Trash Panda. I know this. <laughs> Two of my favorites. I love her. Yeah. She loves your book. This is her favorite book, apparently. So she came to hear you read it. That's Nat awesome. 
did a report on my book for school, which meant so much to me and touched me so much. I think that's the coolest thing ever. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So do we have any more questions for um, my viewers here? I'm going to see. Okay. No, but I am going to show this from Sarah. Join us in the Senders Nation. That's your, your group. That's our group. Join us. We'll send you book one and ebook right away. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Join us there. Maybe uh, drop the link so that they can easily get there. If you would, cool. Sarah, if you wouldn't mind, or did she? And then um, I'm just going to put this up there for mercy. But Lee said, here's the link to corsets and quartets. So thank you, Lee. Mm -hmm find that here as well yep okay and sarah and sarah put the the link in there um okay so uh viewers if you have any questions pop them up there we only got about five to eight minutes left depending on which clock you look at on my phone or my computer <laughs> mercy Amazing. I want to buy, I want to get your book. I know. Both of your books that sound amazing. I love it all. I love it all. Sender sounds fantastic, Cindy. I can't wait to dig into that. Yeah. So I did have some of my own questions. So, um, cause I noticed that CL, you write in third person, correct? I do. I do. Yeah. And Mercy, you write in first person. Right. I do. I, I'm always curious, like what, what made you write in um, the way that you, like in first person or third person? What do you think, Cindy? You know, I actually, uh, so the <clears throat> book I just wrote is written in third person. Ascenders is written in first person from Walker's point of view though. So it did, I, I always had heard and felt it too, that it's more immediate for the main character to talk to you. So I wanted Walker, who's kind of me in high school, a high school journalist, I wanted it to be in person for Ascenders. Uh, I agree. For me, um, first person stories feel more intimate and that seems more logical to me, especially for romance. You want that intimacy of feeling like you're feeling what that character is feeling, especially when it comes to love and angst and all of those things. So I always tend to write in first person and I like to read in first person. But honestly, I don't really notice sometimes if it's a good book, it's a good book. And I don't really care what POV it's written in. Yeah. Yeah. Do you connect more with one POV versus another, though? I connect more with first person. But like I said, I like the intimacy of really knowing what's going on there. Okay. You know, they tend to say that um, fantasy works better in third POV for world building. But I do think that for a lot of the stuff that I read, I prefer to read in first POV. Gotcha. So uh, my next question is, how do you come up with your names? Um, and I'm not talking about your pen name, Mercy, but <laughs> names for your character. I love how you come up with your pen name, though. <laughs> for the name for your character, do you name them after your cats as well? There are some. Uh, Rory is in... One of my books, um, yeah, actually Jasper's in one of my books. I do name a lot of my characters. Sometimes I name it after other authors and I just um, 
twist the name slightly. So if you think about it and you're in that genre, you might think, wait a minute, does she talking about, um, but otherwise, like so many people, lots of research online in the baby books and what are the popular names right now and what are the names in certain decades? Sometimes um, for older characters, I try to find something that's a little more authentic to the time period. Yeah. Do you like do research? Like, uh, so when I do my historical name choosing, I like popular baby names in 1820, like when my character would have been born. So the historical, like the one name I've already grabbed is like Crispin, which, you know, or Sinjin or some of those names, which you tend to grab a lot from some of the historical romances. So definitely there, you want to be a little more accurate. Yeah. Do you make stuff up, Cindy, or do you do it um, based off of, do you twist celebrity names? I just do it based on torture, you guys, because if I can't <laughs> aim for the two leads, I will literally torture myself. I'll go through lists and lists of names. I will torture my husband and even the dogs until I, like, just come up with that name. So uh, Walker Callahan, I knew I wanted him to call her Callahan throughout the whole thing. So that was a double whammy. It was like the last name had to be, like, something that sounded good for a guy to call you. So, and, and Daniel Reed, my main character, the Reed part is after my nephew Reed. So, which he's oh. in college now. He, I, he always blushes when I tell him that, but I think he kind of likes it. The sci-fi book that I'm writing right now, I've changed the female character's name three times. And I couldn't get flow into the story until I finally got the name right. The man's name, I named him Harm or Harmon because I was I like that. watching the Queen's Gambit on Netflix, which I love that miniseries. And suddenly I was like, wait a minute, I like Harmon, but I like it for a man because I like the idea of calling an alpha male Harm as a nickname. Mm -hmm. So that was where I grabbed that name from. Oh, that's interesting. That's cool. <laughs> what is your most unique, um, CL, what is your most unique name and how did you come about it? Well, when originally Walker was not Walker. She had a first name and her last name was Walker. And then one day I was just sitting there and I was like, you know, Walker's a good first name for a girl. I've never really heard that. So that was, I think hers is kind of different. I, I'd never ever still seen it on any list of girls' names. So I, I like her name. And, and uh, you know, I, I think I have a book that I'm writing about a school for time travel. And there's a girl in there named Memphis, and it just sort of fits her. So I, I really like that name, too. I, I think it just sticks. Like, you know when it's perfect for your character. And I then mean, my, my Halloween book, I also, the two guys in my Halloween book are named Trick and Treat. So oh, Trick honey. is a derivative of Patrick, and Treat right. is a male name, if you think of the actor Treat Williams. So I named them Trick and Treat for as Slayers in my Halloween book. Love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm writing my romance novel, and the girl has four bro grown brothers. So I was like, wow, here we go. <laughs> four nice hunky guy names I got to come up with. Yeah. That's awesome. So, all right, we are at time here. Um, so, ladies, I told you it would go fast. I think at least it did for me. I don't know if it did for you. Um, so why don't you guys tell us where they can join your groups or um, get your books? Also what you're giving away. 
Um, anything else you want to kind of tell us before we go? For me, please join Ascenders Nation. We have all kind of fun and giveaways. If you're a Kindle reader, mm -hmm. I keep the Kindles of all the Ascenders books at like a dollar or two. So just to keep it cheap. And um, and we and just join us and we'll have fun and we have tons of graphics and giveaways and prizes. So hope to hear from everybody on Instagram or on Facebook. Awesome. And you can find me in the Merciverse. Um, you can find me on BookBub. You can find me on Instagram. You will definitely see every Monday on Instagram, we do Meow Monday, which is cat memes. Because uh, <laughs> again, the cats rule my life. And, um, you know, I play on TikTok. I'm pretty much everywhere that anybody wants to be. But if you're in the Merciverse, especially if you like corsets and quartets, I do put bonus scenes in there. And that's generally where I put out calls for ARC readers and betas and other things. So that's where you're going to get all of the fun stuff. But social media, wherever you are, I'm probably there in some format, some way, shape, and form. And I love to chat. So never feel uh, funny about reaching out. You can find me on Amazon. You can find me in Kindle Unlimited. And awesome. don't forget, I'm giving away a paperback of course it's in Quartets. I love so, it. And I, I really, really love that one. name. Very cool <laughs> yeah. name. Love one it. more thing, at the LA Times Festival of Books next weekend in LA. Come by and say you watch this show and we'll take a picture and put it on the Instagram. Awesome. Perfect. All right. Well, we are at time. Um, you, you can get their sign up to win their books or from, you know, the our Facebook page, our giveaway. Um, usually Dylan's here to like do the download. So I'm kind of. <laughs> Don, you've done. You've done a great uh, job, Don. Thank you. Yeah. Don. I'm all alone. I wait till Dylan's back with me. Um, all right. So I just have one thing to like plug for myself here. Um, I am doing the super mom contest and I, I win a, I win. It's a feature in women's world magazine. So I'm hoping to, to win. Um, they just did the top 20. I made the top 20, but this, this girl, Sheila, I'm just going to say like, she keeps beating me out. So if you guys wouldn't mind like sharing <laughs> and having them vote for me. Um, she keeps beating me out because she's buying her votes, which I'm not going to say that I didn't buy some votes or my husband didn't buy some votes too, but <laughs> um, she just beat us out in like three seconds, got ahead. Um, so it ends in June, mid-June, and I really need that vacation. So, <laughs> so to all you viewers, please, please, please go vote for me on the Super Mom and then join us at go do the 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 giveaway for mercy and seal and then join us in two weeks where dylan will hopefully be back um and in the meantime we will see you later thank you again ladies for joining us and we will see you next time bye Ready. bye